0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett on the Monday broadcast. So glad that you're joining us. This is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Hey, we'd love to have you come worship with us one Sunday. And you know, Easter is really, really close, okay? And I want to let you know what's going to happen at Easter weekend at Hickory Ridge Community Church. we're going to do four weekend services on Easter weekend, okay? We're going to do a Saturday night at 5 o'clock. And that's going to be more of an acoustic worship and praise time. And then we're going to do three on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, 7, 9, and 11. Now the 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday is going to be drive-in. Just drive into the back parking lot and we'll have a service ready for you and uh, I'll have a great time. Now, we're not offering children's ministries for the 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday or the Saturday night service, uh, but we are for our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service on Easter Sunday. And so if you have kids, why don't you bring them to the 9 o'clock service and then right after the 9 o'clock service, we're doing an Easter egg hunt for the kids. And so it's gonna be a whole lot of fun. So why don't you join us on Easter Sunday man we would love to see you as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ well I am so excited about the message that we're going to look at today and uh, for the next couple of days as a matter of fact I'm talking about our identity in Christ our identity in Christ so we're going to be looking at one passage in particular but we're going to be looking at several other passages that talk about our identity in Christ so John 112 John 112 says, Yet to all, and I've got that word all highlighted, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name. Now, this is talking about Jesus, obviously. If you receive him, if you believe in him, all who receive and believe him, he gave this right. And this is a great right, a right to become children of God. Now, I want you to know, if you battle issues with an identity crisis, I want you to find your identity in Christ. Nobody will do you as well as Christ can do for you, okay? And uh, so I was getting around my daughter the other day, and uh, my conversation with her went like this. Anne talks to me, and she says, hey, Dad, uh, can you make me a sandwich? And I said, abracadabra, you're a sandwich. And my daughter replied, well, now I have an identity crisis, okay? And maybe that's how you feel. Uh, You're not sure who you are. Uh, Somebody's called you something. Uh, Somebody's identified you as something. And now you're struggling to figure out who you are. Are uh, you trying to find your place in this world? You're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? Uh what am I supposed to connect with? Uh what has uh what is the designer of my life? And maybe you feel like Alice in Wonderland, right? She said, "I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then." And uh, maybe you're going through a midlife crisis, you know? Uh that's the time when you get about halfway through your life and you look back and you say, Well, what in the world have I done that has accomplished anything meaningful? Uh, What have I done to be a blessing to anybody else? You know, when you think about identity crisis, well, people in all stages of life can experience an identity crisis, adolescents tend to be most prone. You know, a study was conducted in 2015, and it found that 37% of teenagers were struggling with an identity. 95% of teens reported that they had felt inferior at some point in their lives. Now, a psychiatrist would define identity crisis as a period of uncertainty and a condition in which a person's sense of identity becomes uncertain or insecure. Now, typically, this is due to a change in their expected aims or their role in society. So, an identity crisis is a developmental event that involves a person questioning their sense of self or their place in the world. Now, the concept originates in the work of development uh, psychologist Eric Erickson, who believed that the formation of identity was one of the most important conflicts that people face. Now, I remember many years ago, a Christian artist by the name of Michael W. Smith wrote a song, and it became quite popular back in the uh, early 90s, and it was called Place in the World. And I want to share just a few of those lyrics because maybe uh, you can identify with what he's writing. I think at one time or another, we can all identify to what Michael W. Smith is writing about in this song. He says, the wind is moving, but I am still a life of pages waiting to be filled, a heart that's hopeful, a head that's full of dreams, but this becoming is harder than it seems. Feels like I'm looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find My place in this world. My place in this world. Not a lot to lean on. I need your light to help me find my place in this world. My place in this world. Well, I want you to know, an identity crisis is something I think from time to time we all struggle with. I don't think it's just for young people. I think sometimes older people struggle with this because sometimes life hands us something that we didn't anticipate. Maybe you feel like in your life it's too late. You're too old, and and your identity may have expired, and and uh, and you've missed your true identity, your true calling in life. It kind of reminds me of the of the time I took a bunch of my friends out to lunch, and you know I have this uh, this policy for my life: if I invite you to lunch and I pay, and uh, if you invite me to lunch, you pay. Okay, and and, and so uh, I brought a bunch of my friends out for lunch, and we were uh, uh, eating Mexican, and uh, I'm a fan of Mexican. And I, I tell people, if you cut me, a uh, salsa will bleed out. And uh, I never really liked Mexican food until I got married my wife. She loves uh, Mexican food. And so she got me hooked on it. And as a matter of fact, uh, if there's no Mexican food in heaven, uh, I'm not sure that I want to go. I Just kidding. I, I think that, that in heaven, we're going to have Mexican food, and we're going to have pepperoni pizza, and we're going to have chocolate cake, and uh, we're going to have a whole lot of good things to eat. It's all going to be fat-free and, and calorie-free. Uh, but anyways, I'm out here uh, having a great lunch with my friends, and so I grab the uh, the t- little ticket to go pay for the uh, lunch, and I go up to the counter, uh, give her my credit card, and uh, and she says, "Well, I'm sorry, sir, uh, your your card uh, has come back declined." And now I know sometimes uh, I run things a little close financially, but this time I knew I knew there was enough on that credit card. Uh, I hadn't hit my credit limit or anything, and and uh, and I said, "Well." would you try to run it again? There must be a problem here. Would you please run it again? And and, uh, and so she ran it again, and, and sure enough, it came back, declined again, and she gave me back the card, so I had to give her another card, and, and I looked at that card, and I discovered what the problem was. My card had expired. Uh, you think about that. You try to use a card that's expired, that does you no good, and maybe that's how you feel about your life. Man, uh, my identity is expired. Well, I've got some really good news for you. Based on God's Word, you Who receive Christ, you who believe him, we have become the right to be children of God. Howard Hedrick said this about the identity of Christ. He says, there was no identity crisis in the life of Jesus Christ. He knew who he was. He knew where he had come from and why he was here. He knew where he was going. And when you are that liberated, then you can serve. Now, I believe the reason the enemy wants you to be uncertain about your identity in Christ is because he knows it'll hold you back. You know, just after church yesterday, I was talking to a man. He says, can I have a few minutes of your time? And and I said, sure. And uh, as I was talking to this man, I found out that the struggle that he's experiencing has to do with his identity. He feels like he has missed God's calling in his life. He feels like like he's gone down the path of bitterness and guilt and resentment, and he feels like he can't get back on the right track. Listen, God can get you back on the right track. The enemy wants you going down that path of unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness because he knows he can't do anything about your salvation. Listen, you are eternally secure. If you receive Christ, believe in his name, you are a child of God. There's nothing that you can do to eradicate that relationship. The enemy wants you to be discouraged because he knows that you will never get beyond whatever it takes to get you discouraged. Now, some of you need to hear that again. You're never going to get beyond anything that gets you discouraged. So what's holding you back right now? Maybe it's that one little thing. Maybe it's the fact that uh, you have failed in your business. Maybe it's the fact that your marriage has failed. Maybe it's the fact that your health has failed and you just can't get past that. Maybe there's a broken relationship that you cannot repair, no matter how hard you try to fix it, it doesn't seem to be getting any better, and you feel like you have become a dismal failure in your life. Well, I want you to know, in Christ, you're a child of the King, and because you're a child of the King, you have all the rights as a child of the King. So today and tomorrow in the broadcast, I want to talk to you about what identity in Christ is, why does it matter, and how do I get it, okay? What is my identity in Christ, why does it matter, and how do I get it? Okay, let's look at that first question, what is it, okay? Understanding that I belong to Christ, it is all because of His mercy and because of His grace, I could not do anything to earn His favor, I could not do anything to work for my salvation, it was a gift that was given to me. Now, the reason this is so important is because if we feel like we had something to do with our salvation— We would always look at ourselves and say, well, look what I accomplished. And then sometime we're going to get to that point in our life where we can't continue to accomplish what we did uh, when we thought we received salvation. That's why it's all on Christ. It's all in his mercy, all in his grace. He redeemed us. He saved us. He called us out. So it is understanding that my sense of value, my sense of worth is found exclusively and solely in Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you've never thought about that before because uh, maybe you kind of have done a a hybrid, right? And uh, I drive a a hybrid vehicle and it gets great fuel economy. And uh, a hybrid vehicle has a battery that charges and a battery that propels that vehicle and it has a regular engine. It has a very small engine, and uh, my little minivan has a 2.5 liter engine, gasoline engine. But it also has uh, a battery in the back that's behind the back seat that will give the uh, energy to that car. And when the battery can't provide enough push, then the engine kicks in, and so it goes back and forth between the engine and the battery. And as a result, it works together. And maybe that's how you felt like with your identity. Says, okay, uh, uh, Jesus is the engine, right? And I'm the battery, right? And I got to do my part. No, no, it's all up to him. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus did all that. You didn't have anything to do with that. You just received that free gift of salvation. So let's talk about why it matters. We talked about what it is. It's receiving him, believing in him, and we're a child of God. Why does this matter, okay? Because when we get to this point, We are number one, we're at home with Christ. Now, this is how Paul put it in in Ephesians chapter two. He says, you are no longer foreigners, no longer strangers, but you are fellow citizens. Isn't that cool? Fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, I love the book of Ephesians. It's a powerful book, and uh, we've gone through the book of Ephesians on this broadcast, and maybe we'll do it again because it's such a wonderful book, but if you look at the book of Ephesians, you can divide it up into two parts, okay? The first part of the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, there's six chapters in the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, are doctrinal. So this is a doctrinal statement. I'm no longer a foreigner. I'm no longer a stranger. I am teamed up with other believers who are fellow citizens with God's people, and I'm a member of his household. In other words, I'm at home with Christ. The second part of the book of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6, are very practical. It is how I put doctrine into place. And so as you look at the second part of the book of Ephesians, it deals with things like, how do I understand how to be a good husband? How to be a good dad? How to be good at my work? Those are things that are very practical and uh the walk of the believer some would say the book of ephesians uh deals with wealth of the believer that would be the first part and then the walk or the warfare of the believer second part of the book of ephesians so as we look at the book of ephesians and understanding we're at home with Christ Paul spent a lot of time with the ephesians he just loved the church of ephesus and uh he spent more time there than he did in any other church the only other church that came close to the amount of time that Paul spent at was the uh, church there at Corinth, because that was a problem church. But if we look at the Ephesian believers, uh, they were a great group of believers. Now, they had some struggles, and uh, John the Revelator talks about the struggles that they had in Revelation chapter 2, and it says of the church of Ephesus, there was a problem that they had, and it wasn't that they fell out of love or they uh, they lost love. It's that they left their first love. And so as we look at being at home with Christ, as long as you're at home with Christ, you don't leave that love, you don't abandon that love, when you're at home with Christ, you have that identity in Him. I guess you could say it's kind of like my children uh, that bear my last name, okay? Uh, They bear the last name of Corbett. And with that, there are some rights and some privileges, and you know, my kids if they live long enough and outlive me, uh, hopefully i have a little bit of an inheritance to pass on to them. But more important than the financial blessing, I pray that I can leave a powerhouse of a spiritual blessing to them because I want to teach my kids not only how to make a living, which is so important, but I, even more important than know how to make a living, I want my children to know how to live, how to have a Christ-centered life. Listen, so many times we raise our kids in church, and that's a good thing. I'm not against that. But you can raise your kids in church without raising them in Christ. We want to raise them in Christ so they feel at home with Christ and they have a strong relationship with Him. So we're talking about identity in Christ. Why does it matter? It matters because I'm at home with Christ. And then number two, as I have this identity in Christ, His handiwork is in me. I know we're going back to Ephesians chapter 2 again. Uh, This time we're looking at verse number 10, where Paul says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I want you to get this point, and I wanted to resonate with you today. We're God's handiwork. God created a job for us to do. Now, that work didn't give us salvation That work is an overflow of our salvation. You see, God didn't save you to sit. He saved you to get up and get. He has a job for you to do, and he has a responsibility for you to fulfill. As you find your identity in him and in him alone, you discover that he has this handiwork that he does in you. That is a a special assignment, which is specially designed for you. Timothy Kelly talked about our identity, and he says, if our identity— is in our work, rather than Christ. Success will go to our heads, and failure will go to our hearts. Oh my, isn't that a wonderful thing to remember? Our identity, if it's not in Christ, whenever we get successful, we get filled up with pride and say, look what I've done. You know, if you have accomplished great things, I'm so thankful that you have accomplished great things. You're a blessing to your family. You're a blessing to our culture. You're a blessing to your community you're a blessing to your church. And I think about all the successful people I know. Uh, I, I'm speaking to people in the Hampton Roads area, and, uh, and people in the Hampton Roads area, for the most part, I would consider very successful. A high percentage of you are involved in the military or in some kind of a, a relationship with the military. And, uh, and, and we are very blessed to be living in the Hampton Roads area. And it's the second wealthiest region in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so if you're living in Hampton Roads area, uh, you are blessed to be in this area. And there's a lot of successful people here. There's a lot of doctors and lawyers, and there's a lot of people who have climbed the ranks within the military, and uh, a lot of successful CEOs in the Hampton Roads area. These are all great things. But if that success goes to our heads, then we become filled with pride. And what's going to happen when the company that we are the CEO of decides that they cannot remain open? They can't afford to continue on their business, and then failure will go to our hearts. You know, in 1874, there was a laboratory that opened in Cambridge. It's called the Cavendish Laboratory, and uh, it's a place where many extraordinary discoveries and physics have been made. Its history of innovation is simply astonishing. Cavendish professors have completely changed our understanding of the physical world For example, uh, they discovered the first electron. They also discovered the first neutron. This lab laid the foundations for the discovery of the quantum mechanics in the early 1920s. It was also instrumental in, in laying the groundwork that led to the determination of the double helix structure of the DNA molecule. A guy by the name of Francis Crick and James Watson, uh, way back in the mid-50s, began to figure out this whole structure of the DNA. And as you think about all the wonderful things that happened uh, in this laboratory and continue to happen at this laboratory, above the doors of this laboratory when uh, the latest building was built are these words. The words of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein that's psalm 111 verse number 2 now when that laboratory was first built these words were up there and then they built a new building in the, in the mid 70s and and they were afraid that maybe they wouldn't have that verse up there anymore but they decided to go ahead and put that up there a guy by the name of ab Pippard uh, decided that he would put that before the policy committee and he was pretty sure they would veto his suggestion but to his surprise they approved it now, as you think about that, the works of the Lord are great, and they're sought out by all of them that have pleasure therein. Listen, God has a work just for you. He has designed you in such a way that you have a job that only you can do with that that uh, that little bit of flair to it, you know? Now, you think about people that are real good at stuff, right? And they had that extra little flair. And uh, and and I love watching sports. Right. And uh, and I I'm an era of the 1980s and 1990s. That's when I was really watching sports a lot. And I love to watch uh, Michael Jordan. Man, nobody could take a basketball and handle it the way he did. You know, (laughs) I got thinking about that. uh, You take a a basketball and you put it in my hands. Right. And uh, and it's probably worth ten dollars and ninety nine cents. Right. Uh, you take that same basketball and put it in the hands of Michael Jordan uh, back in the 90s, and, uh, and Michael Jordan, that thing would be worth millions, right? And it's all because of whose hand it is in. Listen, we are God's handiwork. Uh, you know, sometimes you say, well, you're a piece of work. Well, that's right. You're a piece of work, and God is doing a mighty work in you, and so you are part of His agenda. Listen, you're part of the family of God. Find your identity in Christ and you will be set free to serve others and be a blessing to others. Listen, there's something else that you need to realize when you think about your identity in Christ, and that is not only are you at home in Christ, he's got a home for you, you're part of the family. Not only are you his, his handiwork, but he has also hand-selected you. Oh, I love how Peter put it. 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special passion that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Isn't this great to know that God hand-selected you? Now, I don't know if you can identify with this feeling, but you haven't been lined up and you're getting ready to have a game, some kind of a sporting game. Maybe it's kickball, right? and uh and so uh you pick out two captains and and then they're going to pick out who's going to be on their team, and they, they alternate back and forth uh the, the first captain chooses somebody, and the second captain chooses somebody, and they go back and forth and back and forth, and finally, there's one last person that's left that hasn't been chosen, right and, and maybe you can identify because maybe you were that person, right? The last one to be chosen it's like, well, uh well, uh you know, I don't really want this person, but but I'll take them on my team since nobody else wants them, right you feel like you're being selected as a leftover. Nobody really wants me, but I, I, I'm, I'm up here playing, and so they got to put me on somebody's team, and so, okay, I'll take them. And you know, when you think about that, God has hand-selected us, not as a leftover, uh, not because nobody else wanted us. He chose us because he loved us. He wanted to make us a royal priesthood. He wanted to make us a holy nation. And he says that we're God's special possessions. And the reason that he hand-selects us and the reason it does a mighty work in us and he makes us at his home is because he wants us to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. God chose you. Don't ever forget that. He hand-selected you. I love what the old prince of preacher Charles Spurgeon said. He says, this is a good thing, that God chose me before I was born for he certainly would not have chosen me after I was born. Listen, you are adopted into the family of God. You are redeemed. You are chosen. Paul put it this way to the Ephesian believers. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. Listen, God, when he chose you, had a plan for you. And that plan was that you would declare his praises And that plan was also that you would become holy and blameless in His sight. Listen, He wants to do a mighty work in you. He wants you to be set free from uh, that enslavement to sin. He wants you to be set free from those hang-ups in your life, those hurts in your life. And listen, He can do it. Only He can do it. God created us in His image. In the image of God, He created us. He hand-selected us. So I'm going to ask you to join me tomorrow as we look at three more points under the fact that we are in Christ, our identity is in Him. Now I want to remind you, Easter Sunday is coming. So why don't you come and join us for Easter Sunday, Saturday night service at 5 o'clock. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, 7, 9, or 11. The 9 and the 11 o'clock services, we have our children's ministries. We have the Easter egg hunt in between the 9 and 11, our service at ten fifteen. We would love to have you come and worship with us on Easter Sunday. And one final thing I want to let you know about, uh, we're also doing a marriage conference. And uh, the marriage conference is coming together and uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to be part of that. And if you want information about the marriage conference, shoot me an email, okay? One, hope for your heart at gmail.com and spell out the word one o n e hope for your heart at gmail.com or if you have other questions about that you can always call me 757-421-7500 that's the church number and leave me a message and i'll get back to you just as soon as i can okay i uh, thank you so much for joining me today i hope that you'll join us tomorrow as we have part number two talking about our identity in christ